everybody, and welcome to Time and Attention, the podcast dedicated to helping you become a better, more intentional human being. I'm the co-host of the show, Chris Bailey. This is episode number 98, Habits for Flow. I can't believe we haven't talked about this already. Yeah, well, flow, of course, being that uh, thing that's, that comes up in research all the time where you drop sick beats. That's the kind of flow we're talking about, right? No. Oh. <laughs> well, I think, I think I'm in the wrong podcast today. I'm, I'm sorry to... <laughs> um, no, we are talking about flow as presented by Mihai Csikszentmihalyi. Oh. Nailed it. Yeah, nine out of ten. Oh, yeah. Yeah, very good. I don't know what I would have to do to get a ten out of ten. Uh, you would have to say it in Hungarian. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I can't do that. Yeah, the hu- Hungarian psychologist, the late Hungarian psychologist, mm-hmm. the author of the book Flow. Yes. A very, like a pretty famous book. I'm pretty sure there was a TED talk around the book too. This is, I feel like people who are interested in um, productivity or or found your way to this podcast yeah. have probably heard of this book, right? Um, it, it was pretty big. I have found it very difficult to get through. It's a very dense, very academically written book. But all that to say, the ideas in it are super, super powerful. And so today we're going to talk about how you can cultivate habits that help you find a state of flow and also just kind of give an idea of what it actually is, because it's a very loosey-goosey term that's used in a lot of these articles. (laughs) You'll see like productivity hacks on how to find flow. Um, Is there a lot of that out there? Yeah, there's a ton Uh, of it out there. So maybe let's first start with what is flow? It's funny because I still write about productivity. And, and so I'm kind of disconnected from all those because I just go to Google Scholar and yeah. check out uh, articles like over there. But there are all these hacks still out there that mm-hmm. really like are just this productivity porn. Uh, that is the best term I can think of for it. It's fun, uh, entertaining to read about, but you don't necessarily earn your time back with them. Yeah. And yeah. I, I mean, at that's a great tip. Just always go to Google Scholar if you're looking for anything advice or or anything that should be evidence-based. Google Scholar is a great way to find that. Yeah. Um, if you know you if you know how to like interpret that kind of work. Obviously, those kinds of articles, those like more hack-based articles, can be a good way of like communicating stuff that's really technical. And this is a good example of material that is actually pretty technical when mm-hmm. you actually go into like the psychology literature, yeah. for example. So so you don't have to go into productivity literature or psychology literature. What is flow? Yeah. So flow is this concept that a lot of us know of, and we've probably been in it in the past. And and there are certain shortcuts uh, to flow, uh, such as, you know, Mihai in the book, he gives the example of romantic time with a partner. And out of any possible activity, that leads us to the greatest state of flow in his uh, random sampling studies. But uh, essentially, flow is that state where we are completely immersed in what we're doing, where nothing else seems to matter. So we're in that state of complete immersion and so immersed that we hardly notice the passage of time itself. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's as if time almost doesn't exist. We look up at the clock and two hours have gone by. It feels like 10 minutes. Uh, We don't judge our efforts. We don't think about why we're doing something. We're just completely immersed in whatever task we're working on in the moment. Yeah. I mean, if you have found yourself in this kind of state, 
you might realize, like you might resonate, this might really resonate with you, that whole like passing of time without even noticing. Mm -hmm. It really is a really cool feeling once you're in it. And it just is a really nice place to work where you're not really thinking too hard or you don't have a lot of that mental resistance that sometimes you have when you're you're yeah. trying to get up the energy to to get into some kind of deep work. And time just passes and the work just kind of flows out of you, which is just a really nice feeling. I had this the other day when I was writing up uh, a part of a paper and I looked up at the clock and three hours had gone wow. by and it was just such a nice, like I hadn't had that because I've been doing a lot of teaching prep, which is harder to find. I just find it a lot harder to get into a flow state with. So, so far. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's all very new still. So yeah. with that, with that in mind though, like it had been a little while since I had found that flow with writing and it was just such a nice feeling to get back into. Um, and so now I was actually, after that experience, I was thinking, okay, how can I start finding this state again? Yeah. Because I think it's something that we, it's often talked about as a very kind of nebulous and kind of like very, um, mercurial kind oh. of experience, which is really hard to get your hands all around over like, how do we actually make this happen or what mm -hmm. can you do to make this happen? But you can actually do lots of things yeah. to find this state and, that was actually why I wanted to do this podcast so I could think a little bit more about how to repeat that because it yeah. was awesome. Oh, it is. It's almost as if the work is flowing through you, mm -hmm. not from you. And yeah. it's this um, it's this marvelous feeling, especially when we're uh, creating something, when, when creativity mm -hmm. is involved. And I know you're digging into a lot of the, the research on that before the, the pod too. Yeah, I mean, if you go to his Google Scholar page, it's crazy. He's good tens and tens of thousands of oh, citations. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, I mean, a lot of his work is written in a different language, so it's hard to read some of oh, it. Oh, it's in hung Hungarian? I don't know which language it is. It <laughs> was in a language I didn't understand. But all that to say, I mean, the kind of moral of a lot of the work out there is that flow is particularly important when there's creativity is really important, mm. right? So, and the reason for that is because like part of what is characteristic of a flow state is that there's no judgment in, in what you're working on. Like you are not personally yeah. judging or that like external, like that internal dialogue that is not running and being critical of the work that you're putting out there. Like you're just letting it happen. And so that can be really helpful when you're doing something that involves creativity. And that could be, I mean, the classic example is writing. Like people talk yeah. about this all the time with yeah. their writing, but I've definitely found this with coding too. So even when I'm doing some That's of my writing. like yeah, I guess I'm writing code, but it, I mean, even when you're trying to figure out some really like complicated data setup or like you're running some kind of model, like thinking through that can also put you into a state of flow mm -hmm. if the conditions are right. And so this is obviously not something that you will want in every single like instance of your life. Like you're probably yeah. not going to want to find flow when you're just having meetings or when you're, I mean, even for me, when I'm like teaching, for example, you need to be much more aware and present. And I mean, you're very aware and present when you're finding flow, but you definitely want to be much more in the moment and um, mm. definitely noticing the passage of time, for example, is really important <laughs> when you're doing anything time So sensitive. your lectures aren't five hours instead of three? Well, I'm sure all of my students would love five hours of economics lectures. Fortunately, the room is booked. So all that to say, and if you need to be conscious of the passage of time, if judging your efforts in the moment to moment basis is useful, you don't want to find this. Mm -hmm. And so um, when you do want to find it though, what can you do? Yeah. And so you were alluding to the fact that there's a, a, a wealth of research and science behind 
how we can fl- find flow, what characteristics of a situation lead to a state of flow. And that's the wonderful thing about this phenomenon is despite how elusive it can be in practice, uh, there really is, it's a well-studied phenomenon mm-hmm. uh, by Mihai Csikszentmihalyi, um, as well as all, all, all the folks that came after him. And the research is actually quite interesting on this topic. And it says that when the challenge of a situation is roughly equal to our skill level, we are most likely to find flow. And so there's kind of different ways that this can be out of balance. So if the challenge of a situation is far greater than our skill level, if we're trying to write uh, the next great American novel and we we can barely write a report or something, then then that leads to anxiety Mm -hmm. when the challenge eclipses our skill level. Uh, When our skill level eclipses the challenge of a situation though. Uh, so we're a chess grandmaster and we're you're playing me or somebody. Um, you're going to experience boredom when your skill greatly eclipses the challenge. But when they roughly equal one another, uh, there's kind of a channel, uh, a passage in this chart. And I'll link to an article that I wrote way back in 2013 on this very topic, this one chart from from the book flow, actually, uh, where there is this channel between challenge and skills where they roughly equal one another, where we're not anxious, we're not bored, we're far more likely to become immersed in a situation. And that is flow. Beautiful. So, I mean, now you've we've talked through quite a lot about like what it is mm-hmm. and how... You cannot end up there. <laughs> like if something yeah, is too yeah. difficult or something is too, you're overly skilled for something. So assuming you are working on stuff that is roughly calibrated to your ability, right? Like mm-hmm. you've, and I think a part of that is also breaking it down into its component pieces. Yeah. Right. If you're trying to, I, I, this is one thing that sometimes I find is my biggest stumbling block when I'm trying to get into flow is I've said, I'm just going to write the whole grant application or the whole like description of whatever I'm working on for this grant. Mm-hmm. That's like a five page writing endeavor. That's, and I have nothing. I'm going from nothing to saying, I'm going to write the whole five page summary. And that is maybe not an example of like, it's above my skill level, it's, but it is the challenge is way bigger than what I can do in like the next hour. And and that goes back to one of the characteristics of flow, not judging your efforts. Mm-hmm. And this is kind of a, a pitfall of productivity, or at least it could be, be considered one where if we're constantly evaluating our results relative to what we intend to accomplish... That makes us less likely to become immersed in whatever it is that mm-hmm. we intend to be doing. Uh, it increases our level of self-talk. It makes us more aware of how long things are taking because that dialogue then uh, that's inside of our head then accounts for the time on the clock and how much progress uh, we're making relative to it. And so it's, it's interesting the things that can pull us out of this mm-hmm. flow state as well. Okay. So what are the actual like tangible steps that somebody could take here starting your workday or starting a big chunk of time that you don't have anything like urgent to do and you can focus on the important work? Well, that might be a luxury to to some people, but assuming you have this block of time, uh, the interesting thing about how we manage our attention throughout the day is there are steps that we follow every single time we focus on something. And this comes up in the research on 
attention management, which is something that uh, you know I've had the pleasure of exploring quite quite in depth. I have a lot of Google alerts set up for. <laughs> Uh, attention management research as well. Uh, Gloria Mark is an incredible researcher in that mm-hmm. field. We'll have to we'll have to have her on the podcast at some point. Uh, she has a great new book out on on that topic. But essentially, the research says that we focus on something, then our attention gets distracted, and this can be internal or external. So we can mm. uh, kind of seek novelty internally or. Uh, distract us, interrupt ourselves internally or external distractions. And they're actually about 50-50 when you look at the breakdowns of the one we ones we face throughout the day. Uh, so we focus on something, our attention gets distracted. Step three out of four is we notice that it veers off to focus on something else. And then numero cuatro, is that, is that how you say it? Uh, we bring it back mm. to that original object of attention. And we repeat this all day long. We focus on something, our attention gets distracted, we notice, we bring it back. We focus, we get distracted, we bring it back. We focus, we get distracted, we bring it back. And every time we have this volitional intervention within this attention management that we're constantly doing, that's the process through which we become more productive, we choose what to focus on, and we can kind of realign ourselves to, to focus on what's important. Uh, but this, we can use this model for focus to also find flow because we can accommodate the, the ways that our attention actually works. Yes, with some like really tangible yeah, yeah. techniques. So, we did promise habits yeah. for flow. Yeah. Oh, that drives me crazy when people talk about like the 10 habits you can do. And then they really just talk about what the problem is. I'm like, that's not actionable. Where are the 10? Where are the 10? Do we have 10? No, we don't have 10. Do we have five? I don't know. Let's not put a number on it. So, okay. What's the first thing? Yeah. So if we're going to work within this way that our attention is naturally wired, we should first then choose what to focus on. And so in, in my life, I guess I could say, the the two currencies that I try to optimize for are meaning in my personal life and productivity and accomplishment in my work life, the contribution uh, that I end up making at the end of the day. These are the, the, the two most important currencies to me. And so regardless of the situation, step one, choose a productive or meaningful object of attention. And we've talked on the podcast about lots of ways to do that. You can use your values to inform this. Yeah. But a good way of getting into a good habit around this about figuring out what your most productive or meaningful like actions or objects that you should or work tasks that you should focus on is all about managing your time and also like yeah. blocking out what your most important tasks are. That can be on a weekly level. Like we've talked about having a weekly review as part of your weekly kind of schedule. If you include figuring out that what you're going to prioritize for the week and also maybe setting your rule of three, right? The three things that you're going to do for that day or four, if you're me, because sometimes I don't follow the rule of three exactly. Wow, but bad, badass over here. So bad. But yeah. I do always write down the things I want to accomplish that day. And so that is part of my routine now where yeah. every day I sit down and write down the th- whatever number of things I am going to prioritize that day and get done that day usually. And so, but that's also a a kind of a response to what I've done earlier on, like every Friday I set out what my goals are and what my plan is for the week to come. And so 
I think both of these are very easy things to kind of habituate in your life to find a way to figure out what you should be working on or what you should be focusing your attention on when you're trying to find a state of flow. Yeah. And we won't go over uh, this too much because we've covered it so much, but one of the most valuable things you can do in your work, make a list of every single activity you're responsible for in your work, then ask yourself, if I can only do one thing on this list day in, day out, every single day, which one of these allows me to contribute the most? Then you get a second one and a third one, and pretty much everything left on that sheet of paper uh, can be delegated or it supports your work. You should limit your time that you spend on them because you've already identified the core of your work, which should inform the daily, the weekly, the yearly intentions. All right, number two. So we threw in a few habits for each of these, like four steps. But Maybe we have more than 10. Maybe we do, but we didn't advertise them that way. No, because we, we are not into clickbait, as we established a couple episodes back. <laughs> oh, sure. Well, you don't even know what it is still. No. Anyway, sorry, go, go on. Two on this list of four things is eliminating as many external and internal distractions as you can. And this is very easy to find, like what the good habits are around this, yeah. right? This is, I mean, the first thing is figuring out a way to make your workplace as undistracting as possible. That can be turning off notifications. Getting a flip phone. Uh, maybe not. Maybe don't get a flip phone, but you can have very good focus modes on any, like any smartphone, not yeah. your silly flip phone because it's dumb. More but on that next all week, smartphones everybody. Can have, most of them now have some kind of focus mode capability. iPhones, I know Android also supports yeah. that. You can have these kind of focus modes that prevent distractions. You can even limit which email accounts are available if you have email on your phone. And if you're in the Apple ecosystem, you can have them sync up across every device. Yeah. And so different home pages are presented to you on your Apple Watch, on your iPad, uh, your Mac. You can turn off uh, n- certain notifications and alerts. It's fantastic. Focus modes. And I have this. Okay, so speaking of focus modes, I'm so happy right now. I literally just hit Control M or Command M on my on my computer, and I go into complete do not disturb mode. Everything is turned off, so all of my devices go to a different screen, and I go into a deep focus mode where I get zero notifications from absolutely anything. Command M is how you minimize a window, though. No, that's not how I minimize a window. Command mute. It's great. So. That's one way, obviously, figuring out if you can, if there's some people find like as soon as you put headphones on that that kind of gets them into the like work mode, it just is a cue to them that this gets them into like their mode, Um, turning on or maybe turning off specific kinds of music is another good way. And obviously making sure you can limit interruptions. So Mm -hmm. when I'm doing this at work, I make sure I close my door and limit the distractions that can totally pull you out of state of flow. Yeah. And again, distractions are 50-50, right? External versus internal. I feel we don't focus enough on the internal distractions. So that's Mm -hmm. novelty seeking, which we've talked about. Uh, That's also our stimulation level of our mind, which determines how Mm -hmm. much novelty we crave in the first place. I cover this idea in how to calm your mind. So you don't have to come down as much when you want to focus mm-hmm. on something. Makes flow easier, makes focus easier as well. Uh, so that is eliminating distractions. Step I number two. I will throw in a bonus option or bonus little oh, tip. Oh, we're up to 11 tips This now. is just for like, I think, long-haired fellow friends on the, on the podcast. Yeah. Um, I have found that like I tie up my hair in a very specific way when I'm trying to go into like a deep work mode. And it's oh, just is that why such it says a cute... DW? Is that why it's shaped like a DW? <laughs> no, it's just no? I have a very specific clip and when I when my hair is up in this clip, it just is my kind of 
cue to myself that I am really focused and totally in the zone. So putting up your hair, I don't know. There's something about that act that just maybe it's like putting on headphones for people who don't have wonderful long hair. Get those ponytails, get those man buns. Let's put our hair up and get to work. And moving on to step number three, (laughs) then focus on that object of attention. This is the step that is most easily said, most difficultly, most difficult to, most difficultly done. Yeah. That's not a word. Difficult, difficultly, difficulty is a word. Difficult, difficult. The most difficult to do. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so it's the most difficult to do. And yeah, it's so easily said, much more easily said than done. Focusing on your, the object of your attention. You're the object of my attention. I'd hope so right now. There's okay. literally nothing else going We're doing on right a podcast. now. Yeah. So all that to say, I mean, like the way you can kind of habitualize this, and this is hard, right? This is a kind of a practice makes better situation where this is going to be difficult if you are not in the habit of focusing your attention on one thing for a lot of time, right? You're yeah. going to be very easily distracted by internal and external distractions. Especially if your stimulation level is high. Yeah, exactly. So if you are not in the habit of already practicing like deep focused attention, this might take you some time to work up to. And so I always think of, I mean, the the, class, the example that always comes to mind when I think of like a routine or an established routine is what Stephen King talks about in On Writing, mm-hmm. where he, every day, I think 365 days a year, he literally sits down at his desk and he writes. There is no kind of mental calculus about whether he should do that or what he should work on in the morning. It's always writing. He sits down and he writes. And maybe that's a little exaggerated. Like who knows if that's actually what he does. But the idea there is good. I think it probably is. I mean, the man writes a lot of books. So, I mean, conceivably he's doing something right, right? Mm -hmm. If he's writing this many books and cranking out some that are really long, like every year. He has uh, 27 ghostwriters. No. (laughs) I mean, I don't think so. So, I mean, if you haven't read on writing, even if you don't want to be a fiction writer, I think it's a really good book on just how to think about doing work and being excited about doing work regularly. So um, I, he always, his routine comes to mind every time I think about this idea of like room, being focused on one object of attention, yeah. because I think a lot of that is about finding routines that allow you to fall into work without having a lot of mental effort. So if your routine is totally different every single day, it's not going to feel natural to just slip into kind of like a working focused mode, right? So, um, and one part of that is also making sure you're, you're the right level of challenged, obviously, is if you, if you're like me and stupidly say you're going to write a whole five page summary of a grant application, that's going to feel overly challenging, right? It's going to feel overly daunting and be hard to really focus on that because it's so overwhelming. I think you're smart. I I'm, I don't know about that, but I am. I know I'm capable. I just did that. I did write a. <laughs> so five. you're not smart, but you are capable. I don't know. So calling yourself smart is really weird. But I'll, I'll call you smart. I don't know. You about have that. a PhD. You're a university professor. But I think the more you're like educated, it. I just feel like I'm very aware of all the things I don't know how to do. Wow. Well, right. Yeah. So the smarter you are, generally, you feel dumber. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know yeah. what part of that is true. So anyway, all that to say. I I think one thing that has really helped me be very focused on like one thing at a time is breaking down my work into very actionable, like bite-sized pieces. So I don't look at a a totally blank Google doc and say, oh my gosh, I have to write five pages. It's 
no, I just have to kind of draft one paragraph or outline one paragraph, Mm -hmm. very bite-sized chunks. And that's something I'm continually working at getting better at. Yeah. And a couple more tactics, focus or nothing. Uh, is is one I forget where I came across mm. this idea. I think it's Neil Gaiman that uh, that popularized this rule. But essentially, um, what the person did was gave themselves permission to either work on the thing that they plan to work on or do nothing. So they had <laughs> they always had the option to do nothing. And this is sometimes what I do when I write as well, mm. and it works marvelously well. Mm. Uh, so if I want to write and I have an hour scheduled to write. I'll write or nothing. I'll just sit there if if I don't want to write. Mm. And eventually you get bored and you write. Yeah. And then that happens every single time. I think the longest I've done nothing for is a few minutes. Just kind of minded mm. my breath and then thought about something that I wanted to write about. It just kind of came to mind. Uh, another one, accommodate mental resistance. So um, you, you can do this, you know, for focusing on on an object of attention, it's sometimes difficult to set boundaries around that. But one one of my favorite ways of doing so is to shrink how long you'll work on something for until you no longer feel resistance to it. And so you might think, "Hey, do I want to work on this grant application for three hours?" It's like, no, no, no way. What about <laughs> two? Uh, no, what about one and a half? Uh, one and a quarter? Yeah, I could do one and a quarter. And so you kind of barter with yourself to find that level of mental resistance. And because the resistance we have to doing certain things is usually stacked at the very beginning of working on something, we very quickly overcome the mental resistance we have, and then we can continue working on the thing. So a couple of bonus strategies, focus or nothing, one of my favorites and accommodate the resistance, which actually also works well for meditation. Mm-hmm. Um, if, do you want to meditate for half an hour? No. 20? No. 15? Yeah. It, it's a nice way of being kind to yourself as well, which takes away some of that judgment. It takes away some of that negative internal dialogue and may lead you to a greater level of flow. And the last step yeah. in finding and staying in flow is all about continually bringing your attention back, right? I mean, you talked about how people's attention, you find attention, you get distracted and you come back to whatever you're focusing on. And so a part of like staying in a flow state is going to be quickly bringing yourself back to like the the thing that you were trying to focus on. Whatever Mm -hmm. in step one, you identified as important or the the reason for your attention. Step four is continually bringing your attention back to it. And it will wander, Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it constantly wanders. Our, mm-hmm. our mind has been shown to wander for 47% of the day that uh, Daniel Gilbert's uh, Wandering Mind, Unhappy Mind study mm-hmm. found um, through random sampling throughout the day. It wanders about half the time. So don't beat yourself up. Uh, you don't have to notice that it wanders right away. You don't have to notice that you've gotten distracted right away. Just when you do notice, and that is uh, a measurement, metacognition, with thinking about thinking, that's one measure that can actually be improved over time, especially with the practice of meditation, makes us more metacognizant of what's on our mind. Be kind to your mind. It's human to wander and bring it back to what you originally intended to accomplish unless the thing that you've stumbled into is more productive and meaningful or whatever other currencies you're trying to optimize for in your own situation. So flow. 
Binding flow. Yeah. It's possible. Yeah. And there is this interesting science that's really concrete behind this idea of flow that I don't think is talked enough about. This flow channel where the difficulty of a situation is roughly equal to our skill level, the rhythm of our attention throughout the day where we focus, we get distracted, we notice, then we bring it back. We can accommodate these rhythms, we can accommodate the research, and by doing so, we are far more likely to have flow. Nice. All right. So this is, oh, next, uh, next episode is the flip phone experiment. Yeah. But before that, remember, we're about to be recording episode number 100. Episode 100. Send in your cues that we can A, chris at chrisbailey.com. Yeah. All right. So timeandattention.fm is where you can find all of the episodes of this podcast, as well as in your podcast player of choice. Uh, do check out the show notes as well for this episode. We have links to the flow book. We have links to my latest, How to Calm Your Mind, which works with this as well. Uh, we have links to uh, that article where the we have the flow channel diagram. And uh, yeah, it's great to have you for another episode. Yes. It's fun to do this podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Hope you have a wonderful week. See you in a couple Tuesdays. <laughs>